You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. In today's episode of Carly's Couch, ooh, my voice, (laughs) threw myself off. In today's episode of Carly's Couch, we're talking about survival tactics and how they no longer serve you, but what to do instead. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you're enjoying this nice wintry weather. Feliz Navidad. espero año felicidad. Dang, I couldn't even get it out before she finished that joint. Yeah, I was ready. <laughs> ready. Um, yeah, happy Monday. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, did you say hope they enjoy the weather? Mm-hmm. It's nice little wintry weather. I was thinking about the people in L.A. because we've been having some mm. more cozy weather lately. Yeah, I think um, the weather has been kind of wintry in a lot of places, I think. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, about All that. I know is what's going on outside. I know it's hot outside, and then it's a little chilly, like 64. My heat goes on in the house, so that's all I know. I know Oklahoma had snow not too long ago, um, so that's interesting. Very unexpected. But then Oh, Houston, that's not usual? Uh, not right now. Mm. No, it's more like February, mm-hmm. like January type mm-hmm. stuff. Mm. Well, hope y'all's heaters work. Hope y'all <laughs> surviving this cold. Um, today we're going to talk about, um, survival tactics, but not, uh, how to skin rabbits and make <laughs> tents out of leaves and things like that. Um, shout out my youngest brother who knows how to do all of those things. Um, but Carly, I'll let you kind of intro into, um, what we're talking about today. Look, good to know that he is the one that I need to, like, if the oh, yeah, zombie apocalypse happens, he's the one I need he, to um, know. Now I'm about to get off talk, but um, he, yeah, they get, like, dropped off in, like, the wilderness, <laughs> and then they gotta, they gotta, like, survive for real, for real. So he tells us interesting stories, and he's like, yeah, you know, to kill a rabbit, you gotta twist the neck like this and do that. And I've seen pictures of the housing he makes, like, when it's literally, you have nothing, but you make the roof out of the sticks and put leaves on it, um, and how they have to find their way around, and all this stuff's really cool. Um, and we should all have more of those uh, skills or, or knowledge of that. Perhaps maybe we could talk about that one day. Um, yeah. We should have an Apocalypse Now episode <laughs> and talk about like how to be ready if everything goes crazy. Um, but yes, uh, shout out Addison for that. Yeah, so shout out to him. Um, and so today is about survival tactics, hashtag no bear grills. Um, and the idea kind of came from just some discussions I've been having lately. Like I love when like you see this underlying theme or thread throughout all of the things you're doing, all the people you're talking to who are very disconnected and there's no way they could have known, but y'all always end up talking about the same things. And so I was like, Oh, we need to talk about this in the podcast. So to preface, um, when I first started therapy, I told my therapist that my goal was to transition from surviving to thriving and everything that came up with that. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, years ago, a couple years ago at this point. But um, this week, um, I just had a couple co- conversations with friends and we were talking about like family members and mothers and um, other people in our lives who are holding on to these mindsets, these narratives or these habits, actions, like things that kind of help them like get to where they are today. But then you kind of notice that it's not necessarily serving them in this current version of themselves. And so it's like you're bringing the skills that got you here up to this level in your life. But then you're noticing that like they might not be serving you. And then I have my own realization of a pattern in a relationship, like a thought pattern. that I was like, oh, like this 
this isn't serving me. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of friction here. So we want to talk about it today. But what in those that instance, like what's not serving you? What is, what is causing friction? Um, so, I mean, a couple of things. Like one, I think sometimes serve like the the habits or the thought patterns or the things that we adopted, like when we're younger that stem from trauma, like might not actually be healthy, but they were necessary in the time period. And so as you get older and get healthier, ideally, right? Like in healthier relationships, you start to notice that, Oh, it's actually not okay to talk to somebody crazy. Like that's not how I get what I want or, you know, um, manipulating somebody to, to think, this way about me is like actually not authentic and genuine. And so those are some examples, not necessarily mine. Um, mine was more so about how I interact with people and like the level of vulnerability, like in an intimate relationship, like just, just that whole process. Um, but the whole idea is about how those tactics, like no longer serving this version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was trying to understand as you were speaking, like thinking about, why we're saying survival tactics as opposed to just like bad habits. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, to further kind of drill in and understand like what we mean by survival tactics. And I think you went more into it with that second piece where it's like you thought, and a lot of times it's your own perceived notions, but you feel like you have, this is how you have to act like to make it type thing. Um, When you said, um, um, that you were having conversations and even parents and other folks get brought up that made me also think about like generationally you know how different some folks are because imagine like okay the, your grandma might have lived in like Jim Crow era or something and you know so yes survival tactic outside of this mindset stuff survival tactic might have been like sh- tuck your shirt in like we got to look extra good and um, you know, we want to make sure you say yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And, you know, do certain things mm-hmm. that now it's like, okay, we would call some of these things maybe like respectability politics, but like they were doing that. So they wasn't, um, you know, getting the posse after them for no fucking reason. So in that way, I think that's like a, a life example of kind of this, but now we're talking about the way we act and, and how actually these are things that we've kind of learned, gained, whatever, for our survival in relationships. Because um, everything at the end of the day, and most of the topics we talk about, comes down to you want to protect relationships. You want to protect having people around you. Because as humans, we have to have people. We have to have mm-hmm. other people. And so that's why it's, like, so serious when we talk about, like, attachments and, um, you know, how we operate in relationships, et cetera. Because we, we literally, it literally is survival, if you think about, like, back in the day and the way um, that humans have evolved, et cetera. And you have to have people around you, otherwise you're not going to make it. Or those experiments where they talk about babies and how long – they can live or how, how they grow up differently if it's like they're in a secluded room and things like mm-hmm. that, right? So just kind of painting a little more color to what we're talking about when we're calling these survival tactics. They're not good things um, necessarily. Or can they be good? Not yeah, really. I was about to say, I don't think that they're inherently bad. I think that they can become a hindrance mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, um, you know, you talked about growing up in Jim Crow, like our, our grandparents and even parents have drastically different lives even when it comes to mental health it's like don't talk about things stuff Mm -hmm. it down do all that and it's like yeah that might have served a purpose in a certain time period but currently that doesn't make sense and it's actually very harmful yeah and so thinking about that and and looking at those those coping mechanisms that we developed um in order to you know either make it out of an abusive relationship or out of childhood or um 
you know, if you grew up and were abandoned and kind of had to fend for yourself, maybe you had to steal to get food, but now you don't have to anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you stealing is not necessarily helping you. Mm-hmm. And so looking at things like that. Mm-hmm. But then in the mental side of that, um, there's some, a lot of folks who will steal because for certain thrills or attention or whatever. And now that connects it to like, you're doing something because you're trying to gain something or have you hear about uh, the kids who like they get in trouble at school because and, and it's kind of weird because I don't even know all the way how all this connects, but it's like you act out. It's like it's protest behavior and you mm-hmm. act out because you do like, OK, my parents will look at me if, you know, they have to come to the school and I'm in trouble or whatever. And it sounds um, con- like contradictory of like getting somebody's attention. But a lot of times that's what our behavior is really all about. Um, which is why even with parenting and um, teaching and all of these things, they have so many more different approaches and resources because now it's like, let's think about the different layers of this kid or what's going on and all of that stuff and in how we teach instead of just like yelling at the kid or making them do things a certain way or you have to take your test like this. And then, you know, there's just so many things that are underlying into what makes people unique and why they're doing the things they do. I was saying, um, and it's so interesting that you say that because, like, it's never that kids, and my mom's always said this, it's so interesting. Like, it's not that kids are bad. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that there's something going on. And I was, like, talking to one of my homeboys the other day. He was like, man, people used to wild the hell out at track practice. Like, why were mm-hmm. they treating coaches like that? And it's like they're obviously not understanding how to express anger or they are mm-hmm. angry, and so they're taking it out on them. And that's and what stuff. they know. Yeah, in, in a different situation. And so um, that's kind of what – we, why I wanted to talk about it and explore it today because it, it can be so glaringly obvious sometimes in other people, like when they're doing things that either don't make sense or are hindering them, like holding them back, like maybe talking to a boss crazy or um, demanding respect for things that it's like, bro, like what? Like why, why are you arguing for that certain thing? Like why does that matter so much to you? Because mm-hmm. um, they feel they need to protect something because that's their whole like identity or whatever. Um, yeah, it's all very interesting how it – from the outsider, from talking about it, you're like, obviously, like, you don't need that to live. But our bodies kind of operate to where, like, we do believe, like, whatever's, like, really important to us, it's like, oh, if I if I were to lose this relationship, I would die, or, like, whatever. Like, that that feeling is really, like, real in your body and, like, the way things move. And, and so what is important to you or um, what you want to go after, all of those things is justified kind of inside of you as far as, like, I'm doing this because I have to or this is for my survival because, you know, if if – they quiet me down in this meeting. Now my ego's this, and now I'm not this, and now I'm not that, and blah, 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 blah. So breaking all that stuff down, when you went to um, a therapist and said, I want to move from um, surviving to thriving, what? tell me what surviving means to you or meant to you at that time if it was maybe different. Um. So surviving, like, I didn't have the – safest childhood like I mean I, I think it was fine like but to I didn't know it wasn't normal until I got older but I grew up around um domestic violence I grew up around abuse I was by myself or obviously I said that but around alcoholism I was by myself a lot of my childhood um like latchkey type kid things and so I developed mechanisms to like protect myself and to learn and to grow. And, you know, I used to fight like with my stepdaddy when I was younger. And so I had like anger things, you know, that I had to do that I felt like I had to like protect my mom and myself. But it's like when I noticed whenever I got older and in college that like anger being expressed in the way that I was used to growing up, like wasn't healthy and wasn't right. And I didn't know necessarily how to change that or let it go. I just knew that it was met with a lot of friction and pushback. And then I felt 
bad about it. And so all of that to say, like, um, in, in therapy, I was like, man, how can I look at these behaviors that I don't feel necessarily fit who I am or aren't getting me what I want in relationships or might be pushing people away or causing more fights or whatever and, and kind of like heal them. Cause I, I came by them honestly. Like it wasn't like I ever started out to be malicious or, you know, to be super aggressive with people or any of that. But it's like, you know, at the time that was how I coped with what was going on. Mm-hmm. I know you had imaginary friends, didn't you? Not really. <laughs> Interesting. You was just bad. I wasn't not even bad. I just was by myself, mm-hmm. like literally, like for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so, it is so interesting too how like you you have no idea that something's different for you until like you just get out see other folks, whatever. Like it's so funny. You have no idea. That's why I said I thought it was normal mm-hmm. and it wasn't because mm-hmm. that's also um, I would say a survival tactic is like not talking about what's going on at home. I remember. I felt like I had to be perfect in school because I was scared that if I didn't get straight A's, if I wasn't the best at everything, that the teachers would know something was going on at home. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to get taken from my mom. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if I look good and I show up good and I'm happy, mm-hmm. like people are going to think that. But it's like, as you get older, you start yeah. unraveling those things. That's a really good example of like survival tactics. Like, uh, you know, let me put on a particular airs and having to put so much attention into something for that reason. And it's not just like, oh, let me do well in school because of whatever else. Like, you actually just want to learn or whatever. But all of that, again, all coming back to not wanting to be separated from the people um, that you love or are supposed to love, family, whatever, your core people that you know. Um, so, again, like, that's those are good examples of kind of what we're talking about. Um, so, right now, we're going to get into, like, what some of these survival tactics are, uh, what they might be. So, you can think about maybe... Um, if you're doing any of these or if there's something that's like, oh, yeah, I've done that or I can see how, you know, that's kind of a part of my life. And then similarly to like how Carly is kind of telling a couple of her stories, it's like, how can we kind of unravel that into like, well, where did I pick that up? Why do I do that? Or, or you know, where did that come from? Um, so the first one of the first ones we have written down is choosing the path of least resistance. So it might have been a survival tactic um, for you to just go with the flow and go with what's easy because um, maybe maybe you didn't have the means to like try to do the most. Maybe you didn't want to be a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You didn't want to be a burden mm-hmm. like uh, to, in, to other people. So you're just going to do what's easy so you don't have to ask for help. Um, if there's any other examples that you could think of or something jumping out, let me know. But that's one of them too. If you, if you tend to take the path of least resistance because you don't want to deal with whatever. And another one is maybe you grew up in like a really angry household or a very strict household. It's like, Oh, but I'm hungry, but you already Mm -hmm. had dinner. So like, you know, and then you get punished for it. And so it's like, you learn to kind of just go with whatever is going on. So you don't like cause people to fight or get a reaction. Mm -hmm. Or with that same exact example, um, thinking about, family um for me something that could be like path of least resistance is um if you have parents who are very like authoritative um and it's like oh you know don't talk back to me where it's like I'm just trying to have an actual you know discussion like I can disagree um but if you're like well actually xyz and you know they're like well don't talk back blah 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 so you might you might grow and learn to like let me just let them say what you know let me you got it like even now I go home and if they're they're talking or whatever maybe about politics or you know whatever and I for sure could have a full conversation but I'm like oh, okay like I'm I'm taking the path of least resistance because I'm not trying to engage in that conflict with my loved ones with whom you know that's who I'm supposed to be 
um, close to. So mm-hmm. that's another example of that. That's a great one. Um, another one you can notice another survival tactic is staying in spaces that you don't actually like or don't actually want to be in. Um, and maybe that's like if you come from not having a lot, it's like you're just grateful to have a job and feel supported or grateful to be in a safe relationship. So even though you don't really like you're not really feeling in person like that, they're safe and they're not problematic. So you just kind of stay like in an unsatisfactory position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these now that we're kind of looking at them again too, a lot of them what's the common thread is avoiding conflict um, and avoiding confrontation, avoiding maybe being seen. Like it's just like avoiding, you know, air quote complication within the relationship. So uh, that's interesting. Another one is a pe- being a people pleaser is for sure a survival tactic because well, if I do this for them and they love me, then they won't leave me or, you know, I'll be supported and all of those things. I think that one's a pretty obvious one. Another one is um, being hyper aware of your environment and or other people's emotions and reactions. So trying to be able to control situations to keep yourself safe. Um, So if you grew up in an unsafe situation, you're always aware so you can keep yourself safe or protect your little brothers and sisters or, um, you know, whatever. But it's just being overly aware and maybe possibly overly responsible for other people's emotions, like when it comes to certain situations. Can you give an example of? that one of like what the situation kind of looks like um yeah so in a relationship like current day right in thriving times it could look like uh you say something and your partner kind of rolls their eyes and you're like oh my god did I say the wrong thing and you start kind of falling down an anxious rabbit hole but it really stems from a trauma thing that was very real back in the day around like um, growing up around an expo- explosive household. So, like, for me, um, a very real example is, like, my stepdad, he would be cool, and then all of a sudden he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to be very aware. Kids. Yeah. And so at the, I noticed the smallest things, and I have great intuition with people, but sometimes it turns into anxiety, and that's the unhealthy part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good thing, and it served me and helped keep me safe, you know, and all that, but now it, like, makes me overly anxious and overly that's responsible That's a real good example. Because I, I, now I get it even more when you t- said that. So if... If, for example, it's like a stepdad is like all of a sudden he can just like blow up out of nowhere. Now, like you've learned that so quickly that you are hyper aware of anything in your mind probably is going to automatically and like, again, physiologically, like in your body, probably automatically go to 100 like, oh, this person might do that thing. And and not even having grown up, not even really separating that that's just a him thing or whatever. Right. So that one's really good. That's an interesting uh interesting um example um another one this one is is coming from my life is um a survival tactic can be that you become the person that you think the people around you want to see um earlier when we were talking about the episode um I was talking about a conversation I was having with a friend where um I was kind of making realizations that you know I, I feel safer than I've ever felt before and by that I meant that you know, in talking to certain people, I realized like, oh, I can say what I need or I can say what's true to me or what I want or whatever. And that be met with, oh, OK, and like, you know, listening and actually a secure response um, as opposed to, for example, um, being in past relationships where it just didn't feel safe. Like you didn't feel comfortable to say in the truth of a thing or, you know, saying something because they might kind of blow up or do something um, or to going back to the family union unit um if you're growing up in a stricter family and like also knowing like okay i know i need to get straight a's i know uh, i gotta be ready for church i know i gotta you know have a dress on for this or do whatever and so you 
you become aware, and I guess it kind of connects to the last couple of things as well, but you become more aware of, you know, even when you meet people now, when I meet people now, I, I feel like I can very quickly recognize who, what they are, what they kind of value, who they are. And then it's like, oh, I know who, who I would have to be for them to like me. Um, and I don't think about it like that. Like, I, I really don't just think around like, oh, my gosh, how can I make this person like me? And yet I, I can balance. So I've always what I've called it always is like, oh, I'm pretty good at being a chameleon around, you know, when I'm in different groups. I can be I, I could be extra hype. I could be extra fun and funny or I could be really quiet if everybody else around me is like doing the most. Like I kind of just like fit in where I feel comfortable within like what's going on around me. Um, but really that could have come from the survival tactic of, all right, well, let me figure out what I need to be and why that's not necessarily a good thing is because I've grown up separating from being who I am or like even understanding and learning what is my voice. Um, one of the things I've talked about in therapy was I was like, well, you know what, growing up in a household that's strict and, and by strict, like, not nothing like crazy, but yeah, I, you know, y'all know what I mean. Um, by growing up in a in a strict like religious kind of household, I felt that not that my voice was taken away from me, but that I was given a voice. So I was given a like, oh, this is the per type of person you need to be, or this is what we expect, and this is what you need to be. And I don't think it's anything wrong with having expectations of people, but that then where that becomes weird and and different is now when you're exploring your own stuff between. Um, how you deal with people to sexuality to like where you want to go in life and all these things. And it's, it's such a weird disconnect within your mind. You're like, dang, I feel like this is, this is kind of what I want, but this other air quote thing is the right thing um, or what I should be doing. So now you're like, Oh no. And like, you feel shame about it. Or you might not even want to talk about it. Or you hold it in and you don't do that. And you know, you go become a doctor instead of following your dreams or whatever. Um, and all of that, it leads to you never truly like being able to connect with yourself because you never have been able to explore that um, or be able to express those things. That was so such a long answer. Um, but that's a survival tactic that like now through your whole life, now it's like, oh, let me actually become more comfortable in my own voice. And in general, with all of these other things we've said thus far, being able to say and do the things I want and need to do. Um, without having to think about or worry about it being any kind of conflict. And that's so, so important. Another lens on that, like being a somebody else who you think someone wants you to be. I had a homeboy in high school um, who transitioned. So she started off as a woman, but that she knew that that wasn't who they wanted to be. But we live in Oklahoma. And as a black fly. person in Oklahoma, you already have your own issues. And then you add that and it becomes this thing. And I know so many people who had to repress survival is real, like who they mm -hmm. were. Like um, I have gay friends who married the opposite sex because they felt they had to. They got a divorce and they're happy now. But like they thought they had to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like. And that is a technical survival tactic when people used to have beards or what they I don't know if they still call them that. But um, in reading the, the seven husbands and stuff where there was. There could be two couples, but they're both disguising for each other so that they could be with each other mm -hmm. because like that was their survival tactic because otherwise like we would not be hired or we would be banned or, you know, whatever else. So heck yeah, like we got, we got to hide it. We got to hide it. And so with, with the example like that, like real life examples, um, it kind of shows why it's like it literally is survival kind of in that case for you because it does very much, you know, even though something may not be right, 
I can't change the whole world about it right now. So what am I going to do to make it through so I can like live as, as best as I can. And quite frankly, a lot of times because of whatever the trauma is and or what, whatever the issue may be with you not being accepted. Now that forces you to have to like do the most and bend and, and move for everybody else. Yeah, and so it's not talking shit about these survival tactics because um, a lot of times they were rooted in something that very much needed to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's like recognizing like when it's safe to unlearn and relearn like your voice and to be able to claim who you are. Um, one more survival tactic that we have down is um, if you look at your life and you notice that you have a bunch of surface level relationships, um, you have a bunch of yes people around you and there's nobody in your life who will really call you on your shit, like question you about why you're doing something or why you haven't done something or like, you know, just have a deeper conversation like that's a survival tactic. too. Yeah. And why, why is that a survival tactic? Because if you have a bunch of yes people, a bunch of party people, a bunch of people who are never going to dig deeper than the surface, you can kind of skate on by being a chameleon and not mm-hmm. never facing your stuff or never answering the hard questions or never actually following your dreams or doing the things mm-hmm. that you want to do. Like yeah. it's easy when you're, nobody knows you. You're It's allowing you to survive without having to question anything or change something perhaps or, or yeah, making a difference in that way. So those are some of the tactics. So uh, let us know if, if you identify with any of those or uh, from the examples, from some of the things we said straightforward, if you're like, oh, I can identify, like that's something that I've dealt with or deal with or, um, you know, I've gotten through. Um, and then, of course, you're like in survival mode if you are actively kind of doing those things. But kind of wanted to point out like what kind of causes this like survival mode and, and what does that environment kind of feel like? One of the things like when you're in survival mode you're living in a place of lack and I mean, just technically. And, and again, like Carly said, it might not be, you might be having to do what you got to do for your own life or whatever. Um, but you're living in a place of lack because everything we just said, you're having to minimize, you're having to limit, you're uh, not allowing yourself to be fully you or live fully. Or um, if you're in survival mode, like think about in like in life in general, let's say if, your money is very low. Like you are living in lack. You don't have what you need. And so it's like, it's kind of distracting in this survival mode because you may want to do all these things and you wish you could uh, do this, but maybe I don't call my friends. I don't talk to my people and have a good time because I'm so stressed about like this thing or this other things like keeping me kind of in this space. And so uh, definitely if you're experiencing like lack or when you are in survival mode, you're in a place of lack. Mm-hmm. And when it starts to color your whole world, like that's keeping you from taking risks or spending time, like that's, that's an issue and something that needs to be addressed. Another one is if you notice yourself like feel, fearing failure, like to a high degree or change, um, that's normal, first of all, because our brains are hardwired to not like change. But the issue is like it keeps you in situations that you don't want to be in. That could be mediocre, uh, unsatisfactory, unsafe, you know, at a job just to make ends meet because at least you know what to to expect at that job. Like, you know, your boss is going to be terrible. You know, all these things, but to you that feels safer than like branching out to something that might be uncertain. And even without that second piece of it, sometimes like it may, it may signify that you're in survival mode at a particular job, just off the fact that I'm doing this for the money. Like if you're just doing it for what you need because you're trying to survive. Um, Mm. So it doesn't even have to always be about, um, I mean, I guess that's considered mindset too, but you know, like 
it doesn't have to even be at that deep. That's literally survival. Like I'm doing this because I have to do this. I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go be a male stripper because I gotta I gotta pay my rent like next week. And you do what you gotta do. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely a signifier. Um, you may be in survival mode, or, or when you're in survival mode, and maybe all that you know. And and I think that probably is obvious based on the stories we've told and how we keep bringing it back around to family. If um, if all you know is like to move in that way or, or the experiences of those people close to you and then you literally kind of like move through life and you're growing up like that, like it's just it becomes second nature to you. and You don't know any different um, to which I would kind of ask Carly, like, what do you think? makes your eyes like even open to that that oh shoot like I'm in survival mode like even with your story like for you to say like okay I want to change this what what made you think to do that I um I started noticing friction meaning Mm. like something small would happen in my relationship but my reaction to it would be like astronomical and I'm like yo what what is this disconnect like what's why am I so anxious or so overwhelmed about this thing that if I logically discuss it doesn't sound like a big deal Mm. and I realized that that was like my fight or flight like trying to protect me in a situation and making it a lot larger than it was um and so I when that's like those are signifiers that you're you kind of have some lingering habits um or if you just continue to do things that that cause a bunch of friction and stuff in your life. Like, to me, it just started not feeling right. And I know that's not, like, a great answer. But it really was, like, I would just be, like, that does not feel like me. Like, why did I say that? Mm. Like, why did I react to a situation that way? And if it's things that feel instinctual, but then you, you're you able to start having more awareness about how you feel. Like, the connection with your body and mind to the things you're doing. Um, and so now it's like, I need to address this. Whereas maybe before it's so second nature and, you know, like we're used to feeling a certain way. People are used to being constipated. Like they don't even, you know what I mean? Like people don't even be knowing. It's like, Hey, you're not that regular. Cause that's all they know. So, um, that kind of makes sense until all of a sudden you realize like something could be different. And now once you get that little inkling that something could be different, if you are a person with a growth mindset, like now you're going to start like moving into it and like trying to figure it out for sure. Um, you may be in survival mode too if you're lacking accountability and responsibility. Um, and we say that because you're not really trying to look at um, your part in things. You're not necessarily feeling like you can change anything. Um, and I'm sure this doesn't necessarily apply to our listeners. We were talking about earlier because we were like, well, our listeners are probably most likely folks who, you know, that's why they listen to these things because they want to learn how to, you know, grow, be accountable, responsible, et cetera. But for the person who is very much uh, not an accountable person, if you think about somebody you maybe know, um, probably can imagine that, okay, they're, they're just like impulsive or, you know, they move out of survival mode um, for sure. I think another big indicator that you might be working in survival mode is if you're saying that you want something, but you're not doing anything different to get there. And that could be whatever. It could be you want more bread, but you're not quitting your dead-end job or your job that doesn't bring you joy to try something different. Like, okay, that could come from lack because you came up poor, so you didn't want to do that. Or Mm -hmm. you're not willing to be vulnerable in a relationship because your parents got a divorce. And so for you, like, it's hard for you to trust people. Like, that's a survival thing. You're trying to protect yourself, but that inhibits growth. So -hmm. if you really, like, think about areas in your life where you say you want something else or you're thinking that things could get better, but you're not really open to examining what you're doing and and changing those. Like if you're setting your ways, like I think that's a big indicator that you could be holding on to some of these survival tactics. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned friction and we've talked about fight or flight and 
kind of like how your body feels sometimes in, in some of these spaces or when it just doesn't feel quite like the emotion is connected to the feeling in your body, things like that. Um, but when I think about like what it means to thrive on that opposite side, because if you're in survival mode so much, you, you might not even know like what is it mean to thrive? Like what could that even be? Um, and, and for me to thrive feels like peace, feels like you have options. It's abundant. So you I'm not worried about doing something, giving something, spending something because I expect that to be in my life and or it is in my life. Like if we talk about literally thriving, I feel like I'm thriving when I have money in my bank account. I was like, oh, I'm not thinking about half the things that are, you know, stressing you out when you don't. Um, So for me, it's kind of that peaceful feeling of being able to move through life without having to think about these extra stresses and you don't have to think about how to live. You actually just get to focus on and enjoy the living. Mm, that's such a good definition of thriving. it. Sound, it makes you kind of feel good to even like say that. And, and I think that's why, you know, sometimes when, when we like hop on Twitter and like, Oh, life is so peace right now and love and light and stuff. And like, sometimes like, dang, like sometimes you have those moments where you really feel good. And for me, um, cause and I say that cause my friend made fun of me the other day about it. He's like, I see you tweeting about, oh, I love drinking my coffee and reading my book in the morning. And I was like, but you know, what? I was really in a space of like, I, that's my favorite thing. Like every day that makes me feel so good because I don't have to rush into doing any work. I have time for myself. I love like my, you know, routine of making my coffee. I love being able to sit down and read. And that's just a perfect good start of the day for me. And that's something where like, I really express a lot of gratitude around like just enjoying it. What seems like just a simple moment. But when you think about it, like I can only have that moment because I have, you know, like I said before, I have money. So it's not like I'm waking up like, oh, I got to do this. I got to figure this out. I got to, you know, do all these things. Um, because in that moment, I feel like abundant. I feel like I have time, abundance of time, abundance of the things I need, my resources or whatever, that I could just do what I want to do in that moment. So like sometimes that really just feels really good. Um, and to me, those moments is where I'm like, okay, this is what it feels like to thrive because I can uh, really enjoy myself. What's funny is like when I told my therapist that like I didn't really know what thriving felt like I didn't have a definition for it. I just knew that I felt like life could get better and could be better, but I didn't know how good it could get. Um, And so been on this journey for a while of trying to like heal things and grow and let go and unleash and all that jazz. Um, But to me, thriving feels safe, but a safe space to be brave in. So a space to be vulnerable, a space to take risks, a space to speak my mind um, and, and come from a place of, I know who I am. And um, it feels free. It, it feels more free and, and life can feel better. And we don't have to carry around all the anger and the upset and, and everything that we did in order to get to this point. And I think that's probably the bigger thing for me in this episode is like, you really don't have to hold on to those things that got you here. Like, yes, they served you and they're wonderful. Give them gratitude You can do a whole ritual for them things, but also let them go because they start to shackle you to the past into, you know, emotions and things that you've outgrown. And it's okay to let that go. Mm -hmm. So then how do we transition that now? So once you become aware of some of these survival tactics, like, oh, those are things I do because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, they're not serving me. How do you transition that into tools that allow you to thrive? The first piece for me is having a safe um, support system. And so that can be a therapist, a psychiatrist, whatever you need, go get that. Um, But also friends who 
are emotionally intelligent and doing their own work because if they're not doing and you are, it'll be a disconnect. So, you know, get people around you who are not yes people who will call you on your shit, but in a very loving way and who actually care about you um, in a place that you feel safe. So I would say like a support system, like building your village is so important. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say um, that connects with my story earlier is that it's just something to, you just have to practice. So for me, if I am uh, kind of used to being quiet around people are kind of noticing like, all right, who do I need to be here? Um, and I'm not focused on being myself. Now, A, I just have to note like when I'm doing that and then B, be able to actually practice like being myself or saying what I want to say, doing what I want to do. Because what happens, like I kind of said before, I think already that once I start to say those things and when it's met, um, not with negativity or not with conflict, but like somebody actually listening and paying attention and be like, oh, okay. And validating um, what I'm saying, then it's like, oh, I, I can be safer. Like, or I'm in a safe place and I, it's okay for me to continue to do this. And I recognize now that it's not when things don't go right in those situations, that's not about me. Um, so for me, it's really about continuing to practice that um, and kind of falling into um, doing what is genuine for me at the moment. Which is so important. And I love that you use the word practice because it's a, it's a lifelong practice. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta do that to get better and you gonna mess up and that's cool too. Um, but just start with recognizing like where in your life, like the spaces that you're in that you don't want to be in um, or things that feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. for you or where you felt held back and then start to practice and gradually change those things. And by that, we're, we're talking about like how we said earlier, um, when you stay in easy situations or like a place you don't enjoy a job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're in a job you don't enjoy and you do need it for money, though, like um, even with that, if there's a transition of perhaps starting to um, spend a little time doing like research to look up, you know, other things and or even maybe even just having as simple as having a conversation or starting to have more conversations with people about um, what you may be interested in because maybe somebody be like, oh, you know what? I know about X, Y, Z or an opportunity. Just at least being more expressive about it, I think, can be helpful in that case. Yeah, I think that that's a great, a great like place to start is like research. It doesn't have to be you quit your job today and then yeah. you homeless tomorrow because like or unhoused tomorrow. Yeah. Like don't don't do that. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. But also yeah. and like, don't judge yourself so harshly if it's like I know I'm in a place I don't like, but I feel like I need to because that is difficult to, you know, move out of those spaces. But perhaps there's some kind of way that you could practice getting more uncomfortable and practice like kind of putting yourself out there a little bit more. And I think that's the basis of all of it. It's like speaking up mm-hmm. whenever you're uncomfortable, like challenging yeah. yourself to do something that's different. That's what all of it is about, like challenging when you need to choose growth over comfort in order to get to a different place, uh, for sure. Shout yeah. out Daria and her brand. <laughs> I should have had my growth over comfort sweater on. And not letting, you know, your the, the things in your past hold you back. That's really, mm-hmm. that's really it. Cause it's, it's not even comfortable. I would say that a lot of times survival is not comfortable at all. Yeah. Earlier, um, Carly and I were talking about this episode. We were, we were started thinking about like, well, hmm, what are some of those things that have happened in our lives that might've been like game changing type things? Maybe for you, it could have been like experiences like with your stepdad. I was talking about for me experiences being like harassed all the time with boys grabbing on my body and things like that. And how that changes like my perception of myself. And I, I would never even wear like a two piece bandit suit. I didn't like wearing shorts. I didn't, you know, and I, like I just extremely felt like, oh, I'm 
I'm at fault if people find me attractive or if they want to uh, violate me in that way. And of course, you can imagine how that can affect how you look at men or relationships and all those things as you get older. So those are things that I... I actually dissected that one a long time ago um, in college because of a girlfriend of mine was like, girl, you got to stop being so mean to guys. Cause I was just like very hard and mean and like very competitive and like, you know, like I'm, I can, I'm strong too type thing. Um, and then I was able to kind of break that down into like, well, where I got that from, because I was always having to fight off people and fight people away from me and uh, hold, stand my ground and all of those things. And so just to be able to think back about, um, no, no, I don't know if it necessarily has to be like traumatic experiences, but like things that have happened in your life, things that you've gone through that may have been like shaped you to behave a certain way so that you can make it so that you can survive. Um, that's a kind of a good place to start to think about like, well, how did that affect me? Um, excuse me. And the results from that can be eye opening into what that journey needs to look like as far as what you change when you need to um, go into a space where you can thrive. Yeah, and I think a lot of times like that, that could be the shift that you're waiting for when it comes to your career, when it comes to leveling up, when it comes to something else is like mm-hmm. looking at your life and being very aware of, you know, kind of why you you do the things or don't do the things that you want to do or don't whatever. And being aware of that and then taking that next step. Like I had a friend who like moved across the country, but if you look at her entire family, like everybody lives in Oklahoma. And so it wasn't like. It was it was a really big deal for her to do that. And it was hard to move away from her support system and stuff. But now she's like has this career she loves and and everything else. And it really took her moving out of that in order to be able to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this week, think about um, the, the survival tactics that you may be uh, utilizing and thinking about how you can kind of transition that into a different tool. So or transitioning your mindset and what you could do to try to catch those things um, and do something differently. Yeah, and hit Carly's couch. Would love to know um, what what kind of stood out to you and what things you're gonna be challenging yourself to grow out of. Um, and then this week's shout out is the Breakfast Bros Houston, um, started by some of the people I went to college with, and then also some bros from Pi Delta. And what they do is they collect food. Um, they also cook. It started off with tacos, I think, and then they started getting money and doing other stuff collecting um like toiletries and socks and coats and other things for unhoused um people in downtown houston so go visit them we'll put their instagram in here you can support them donate if you're in houston you can go volunteer with them they be out there in these streets mm-hmm. um yeah that's really good especially this time of year um and that's something that they just do around for the holidays or the oh stuff? no they're there all year oh so I that's think- what they are that's what the organization mm-hmm. is yep. oh, okay cool Breakfast Bros. Um, Yeah, so click on the link in the episode so you can check them out. And then this week's question of the week um, for Carly first, we might have to think about a little bit, but this week's question is, what question do you have for your therapist? Like what's something that's kind of the top of your list that you want to explore? Mm. And I usually even am like my notes uh, at what, like as soon as I start thinking about something, I'm like, I might do kind of do that. Let me write that down and I'll like think about it. Um. I like put stuff down, although I haven't been in therapy in a long time now, but um, I usually like write stuff down, which I can't access right now. So I'm still thinking myself, man, uh, the top two quick ones that came to mind. I'm sure I'd have a better one if I like really marinated on this. But um, one is I would want to know like how he takes care of himself and separates all of the space that he holds for all the people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how, how do you like how do healers? How does one do that? Yeah. Like, how because does he you want to know how do you do how you can do it? 
Um, I'm just intrigued to see how people in this space. I ain't paying my therapist to be asking them questions about them. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not asking. I'm saying I, I didn't think I'd be paying him for this. Oh, no, I'm saying like a question you would bring into therapy. That's what I meant oh, by that. That's I what thought I you meant ask him about his life. That's why I was oh, like, no, 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 that's, no. that's why I was like, oh, that makes nah, me think. Look, I'm saying like, like things that you may want to inquire about, like to explore in like a therapy session type thing. Oh, that's why I said, oh, for yourself, that's, that would be cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be cool, too. I was more interested <laughs> in him. Um, for me. I, I don't know. Because I be asking him all kind of shit all the time. Mm-hmm. I be talking to him every week. So what's up? Um, all right. For me, um, I would say a question I would want to explore is what is the line or the balance between um, knowing if if you're on the right path with the relationship as far as because it's not, it might not be chaotic versus, oh, that, like not actually being that into it and like, you know, what does that look like? And maybe she asked me, you know, cause usually they're just asking you questions to help you figure it out. But like, can I ask you questions to kind of help you realize like, is this something where I should give it a little time because I want to, you know, see how it might actually play out differently. Or is it like, ah, actually this, this guy's just boring. I don't know. Like, and let me just move on. I need a little more excitement or whatever. That's something maybe I would explore. Mm, I think that's a great that's a great question, especially as we're learning what healthy relationships are mm-hmm. and how we're healthy in relationships. Right, because like you said, sometimes like you don't really know, but also you do want to feel a certain thing, like you know. So, um, but a lot of times it might be like us blocking that or not looking for it in a certain place or whatever. So let us know what uh, you'd like to. Well, you don't got to be all like personal in your business per se, but um, think but about can. like. Uh, what what question you would want to explore with the therapist um, soon, hopefully, inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Peace out. <laughs>